Hi, and welcome to She's the Boss Leaders, the podcast all about successful female founders and women doing amazing things in business from Australia and around the world. I'm your host, Jules Brook, and this episode is sponsored by Brand for Brands, a branding agency run by two sisters located in Sydney. They specialize in building and refreshing brands that speak to the right people, the ones that will invest in your products and services. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, and welcome to She's the Boss, the show that is all about female founders and women doing amazing things in business. Now, before I introduce my guest, let me just say, if you enjoy this episode, please like, please comment, and please subscribe to the channel. But let's start with my amazing guest today. I'm so excited to be interviewing Angela Priestley, who's the founding editor of Women's Agenda, which is probably the number one women's business media in Australia, and the co-founder of Agenda media. So welcome, Angela. Thank you, Jules. Thank you so much for having me here. It's my absolute pleasure. And I I just absolutely love what you've been doing with Women's Agenda. So let's just start now with what you're doing exactly now, though, because there's a whole lot of new initiatives happening around Women's Agenda. Yes. Well, so we're coming out of obviously 2020. So towards the end of 2020 and like uh, most businesses, it's been a pretty tough year, but it's also been a year of a lot of pivots in different directions, trying new things. And so we've been doing a lot of that this year. And um, so at the moment we're at to, we're, we're launching new products. We have a new publication called Women's Health News that we're really excited about and has been going really well since we launched it about four weeks ago. We're doing a lot more in the podcast space and a lot more in uh, specific key verticals where we're starting to publish a lot more newsletters and and content and really trying to uh, promote ourselves as more of a newsletter first media business, which sounds a little bit on the old school side, but is actually uh, quite important at the moment, particularly with a lot of the changes around social media and changes in how people want to consume their news. Yeah, absolutely. Boy, oh boy, hasn't the panic, the pandemic has kind of reset everything. Tell me when you were talking about starting to work into verticals for people that might not understand what you mean, I'm assuming you mean health and various other kind of topics. Can you tell me what sort of verticals you've been targeting or you're planning on targeting? Yeah, so we, we've always had different verticals. So I guess I'd put our verticals as uh, business, career, leadership. They've always been the key ones and really where we launched. But since then, as we've found our voice and as probably our voice has gotten a little bit stronger over time, particularly in the last couple of years. Yeah, um, absolutely. We, <laughs> we, we do a lot more on politics. Um, we do a lot more on entrepreneurship and we also do a lot more on climate. Climate's really important and is an issue that's just really close to my heart. And I'm on the firm believer that, you know, really every story and every media outlet actually needs to look at um, the stories that they're publishing and, and looking at climate action, climate change, climate justice as underlying and being relevant to those stories. We do a lot more looking at... Um, diversity in business, obviously the gender pay gap, leadership, that kind of thing. I guess when I talk about verticals, yeah, we do, um, we've got specific newsletters that go to women who might work in those spaces or aspire to work in various spaces. And that includes women in in STEM. We have a, a specialized product that goes to women in STEM. We have something that goes to women in agriculture. 
Uh, we have another one called the Sporty Wrap, which is all about women's sport and is a, a really fast-growing newsletter that, again, we're really excited about because it's trying to get a lot of those sports stories heard that are just not covered enough in the mainstream media. And more recently, we've launched a dedicated publication uh, called Women's Health News, and we do a weekly newsletter around that. We've got a, a new site that we're working on at the moment. At the moment, that content is housed in Women's Agenda a new site that we're working on there, new social presence and just really going all out to try and build up that opportunity in the, the women's health space. And look at women's health from the perspective that is really missing, I think, in the mainstream media at the moment because you don't necessarily get women's health from the idea of all ages, all backgrounds, all levels of fitness and that kind of thing. Oh, God, we are so singing from the same song sheet. I can't believe it. What you're saying is so true. Like, we've got to get women's voices out there. Women in sport is has been quite new in Australia, but we don't have any media around it. So it's brilliant that you're championing all of that stuff and also to find a media outlet with integrity that understands that if you're going to influence things, it does need to be things like climate and things like women in sport and women in leadership because we don't get it anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I know that, you know, other outlets cover things to an extent, but I think what you get with Women's Agenda is that it is a dedicated publication to that and we are 100% owned by women. We don't have a dollar of outside investment. Everything we do has come from us and our team. And also that um, we've been, you know, we, we launched about eight years ago and we've been consistent every day for the last eight years. We've sent a newsletter. <laughs> Even when Women's Agenda was me sitting in my bedroom breastfeeding a baby, we were sending out newsletters and it's one of those things that um I know that I'm 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 really proud of but um, you should be it's fantastic we, at the time I mean there's been so many times over those years where I've just thought okay let's just send out one newsletter a week let's change it to three newsletters a week why are we doing this is this really necessary but ultimately as I look back I think that's been the key for us is that consistency of sending that every single day I totally agree. So talk to me about why you set it up in the first place. I mean, I kind of think I might know the answer, but tell me anyway. Yeah. Okay. So I, I actually launched it as part of a bigger publisher. So right. we launched it with private media initially and Marina Go was our founding publisher and she worked, um, she's got a long career in magazines and I knew her previously as the editor of Dolly. So that was really right. exciting getting to, to meet her and, and work with her on it. And we launched it. So it was 2012. Um, it was a time, but it was quite a different time in Australia. We had a female prime minister. We had a female governor general. We had a lot of female premiers around and progress seemed to be happening in, in other aspects when it came to women in leadership. So it was quite different, but things, and I always say this, like progress that you see doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's progress that will be sustained and that kind of progress can quickly go backwards. And I think like what we found that there was a more, a bigger appetite to have some of these conversations and, you know, it was just about then that Julia Gillard did her misogyny speech that we heard Alan Jones say that women were destroying the joint. And then before long, we had Tony Abbott as our prime minister and as our minister for women. Um, you know, the stories are pretty much just writing themselves from there on. So. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it's just so important that we do get this message out. And, and I personally believe, believe that on the back of the pandemic, we've got this opportunity now to kind of reset things a little bit. And I certainly feel like there's a movement happening amongst women, you know, like there's something happening. There's a groundswell where um, I think, you know, we, we need the change to happen and we've realised that we can make that change happen. Do you agree? 
I think so, yes. And I think there is that groundswell of making sure that, you know, in doing so we don't leave any women behind as well. I think that's the most important part of this debate to make sure to look at it from all perspectives and all women and to acknowledge the fact that um, some of us come from more privileged backgrounds than others and we need to really lend out a hand to support everyone in this journey and 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 not forget that as as we we move forward. So Yeah, I totally agree. In fact, I've got a little motto with She's the Boss that it's all about lift the women around you, empower the women around you because certainly as as an older woman um, you know, I feel like there's a lot of us that have a lot of experience that we can do to actually lift these other women up as well so that we're, you know, on more of an equal playing field. And also the power of all of us being at an equal level um, will hopefully sort of bring around some of that change as well. Um, yeah. Now, let me ask you, though, I am intrigued to hear about your own personal story. Um, can you take me back from sort of high school days where I assume you loved writing? <laughs> because having looked at your LinkedIn profile, you are definitely a woman who's always been in journalism, but can you take me back and take me through your career and how it led to you starting Women's Agenda? Um, okay. So, and when I say started, so I didn't, I, I, it was launched with a bigger publisher and then I actually acquired it in 2016 um, when I was at home. I, I was taking my second stint of maternity leave at that point and I was at home with a newborn and the opportunity came up and it was kind of a, a take it or leave it situation. And I loved the publication. Um, so, but the, the thing was I had to keep it running at that point. So I had a, a, he was only a few weeks old at that point and we just needed to make it happen and no resources, nothing just to, to make it. Well, it's work. amazing that you did that because I remember you as the editor of it and what a great, fantastic um, media outlet it was, but for you to actually not let it go down the gurgler as has been happening with so many other media outlets. But let, but take me back now and tell me how it all unfolded. Sure. So um, I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation that it's not that interesting. So <laughs> I bet it is. I Go on. I'll, I'll, I'll listen. And if it's boring, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, okay. Well, you mentioned about journalism. So I think I, I always wanted to be a journalist. I, um, you know, of course, I had the ideas of various careers as a younger child. But, you know, when I started to think about what I wanted to do academically and I wasn't a great student at school, I I got into a lot of trouble at school and I didn't really have much direction. And it was a case of as soon as I did have a direction and I saw that, I knew that I wanted to be working in the media. I loved news magazines and I wanted to be a part of it. So, um, and, and specifically I liked, um, international relations. I liked international affairs. Um, I liked to look at what was going on overseas. Um, I liked politics, all of that. So that's where I wanted to go. So, so where were you though, Angela? Where did you actually grow up? Is this, were you an inner city kid or a country kid? No, I grew up in Sydney. So I don't know if I'd call myself an inner, probably in between there, those two. Right. Yeah. But, um, and yeah, in, a, so, in a big family? Well, I mean, have you got lots of brothers and sisters? No, well, I've got a brother and a sister. So um, a reasonable sized family, but I've now got three children and it feels like a very, very, very large family. So <laughs> I don't know I'm how with you. Yeah. I've got three as well. It does feel ginormous. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so you grew up in this family. Were there, why journalism though, other than you love writing, was there any, were there any sort of outside influences or something that you had seen that made you think mm -hmm. I want to do that when I grow up? Yeah, there were. I mean, I, I don't come from a family of, of media or journalists, um, at all. 
I did come from a family that that had a good news appetite. That that's probably how I'd describe it. So if I think about my father, he was always reading the paper. That that's how, you know, the mornings he would be there, he'd be reading the newspaper. Yeah. And I think that was always a part of our lives. And it's why I often try to encourage other people, though it's hard now given everything's digital, but to try and encourage that in your kids' lives somehow, like to accidentally have them involved in understanding what's going on through. And it was so easy back then because we had the newspapers. They'd be sitting on the paper, the um, table. As kids, you start looking through the cartoons. You might venture into the sports section. You might venture into the life sec- lifestyle section. Yes. And all of a sudden, you're on the front page and you're, you're seeing all of it and trying to get an idea of what's going on in the world. And I think that's really important. We always had subscriptions to news magazines and things as well. And I don't know if it was ever deliberate, but it was always there. So I would read those things. And that's probably what got me interested. Um, I remember a specific article, which it was around the time of the Columbine massacre. And I read this piece and it just, I, I, I mean, so I was in high school at that time. And when that happened, it was, I mean, you'd remember that. It was oh, I don't think anyone shooting. will forget it. Who, and, of who, course, it was awful. there's been so many high school shootings since that we don't necessarily remember the names of them like we do those first few. But I just remember reading some of the commentary around that, and for whatever reason, I was really taken about it in terms of the analysis and, and what was going on in those the, the lives of those children and the families. And for whatever reason, I had that moment where I thought, that's kind of what I want to do. I want to, I want to write those pieces that tell the, the human side of some of these bigger news stories that are obviously really difficult and challenging, but they're so important they to get so heard. They are so important. Yeah. So, so and, how, yeah, go on. Hmm. No, no, I was going to oh, say, so, no. so you had this great idea. How did you even go about trying to become a journalist? Well, so I wanted to study journalism. That was the first thing. Right. So I needed to get good marks to do that. And I was nowhere near good marks at that <laughs> point. So I think like I, I looked at that as the sense of, well, well, that, that becomes a goal. And I, I think that's again, important is in, you know, at that point in high school, if you don't know what you're working towards, it's hard to be motivated it to is, work yes, towards very. that. And I saw that transition point in me and it's, it was, it was just, it was, it was, it was good. So I was able to work for it. And then I, I studied journalism at yep. um, UTS here in Sydney and it, you know, I then I kind of looked and thought, I don't think I'm going to make a great journalist. I don't have much confidence. I kind of lacked oh, the so interviewing skills. How, I how, how <laughs> untypical of you as a woman to be going, <laughs> oh, I don't know that I'm good enough to do this. So I'm glad you ploughed through. <laughs> I, I pulled myself out of that. I, I mean, I, I not pulled myself. What do I, I? I took myself kind of out of the the pool to be selected for it or whatever it is. I didn't really right. put myself forward for the opportunities that were there because I just sort of assumed that I would never get them and that there were people who were so much smarter and better and more vocal and able to express themselves oh, better Angela. than me. So <laughs> that um. You know, and that happens. And it does happen. That's why. That's why these kind of stories are so inspiring. <laughs> because there are hopes of people that didn't do well at school, or that have a dream and don't know how to do it, and and don't think they're good enough. So, you know, straight away your story is interesting. So, so you <laughs> so you, you studied journalism, um, yeah. feeling you know maybe that you weren't good enough. Where was your first job, and how did you get it? Uh, so, I mean, I worked a lot of casual jobs. So I worked a lot of um, call center jobs, which were really good. I have to say, like, I felt that was good experience because it, it 
I had to call people and ask them to do surveys and that's hard. Like that, that gives it you confidence on the phone and I didn't have that confidence. And you get so. used to rejection. I remember I did, I did a whole lot of that, but I was selling custom toned kitchens over the phone back when I was a student. Yeah, exactly. And I yeah. remember it's so hard, but you get used to the, you know, if someone says, no, it's not really about me, it's just move on to the next call. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I was overseas for a while traveling and, um, I spent some time in Sri Lanka. I thought I thought about doing aid work. I was really keen on that, and I came back and studied international relations. Um, and then right. from there, you know, did a few other jobs, conference producing things that just were oh, not all sorts for me. of things that right. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't go straight into journalism. You just kind of uh, dabbled no, around the I, edges for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly what I call it. Like dabbled around the edges. Okay. I got my first journalism job as a tech reporter. And did you know anything I, about tech? I knew absolutely nothing. No, <laughs> not, it's not even about tech. I was writing about enterprise, uh, uh storage systems and oh software. My and I was writing about, yeah, big, big, big tech. data. I remember doing, I did a project with big data and I had absolutely no idea what it was. So yeah, uh, yeah it's and, all a whole other world really, isn't it? Yeah, and again, you know, I got, it was a, it was such a good start because it, we we published a magazine there, so I got experience working on a tech magazine, and we also published uh, newsletters there, so I got experience working on those newsletters and working across the site and working really fast on stories and working on something when you don't know the background material and you have to ask the questions to figure <laughs> it out. So that was good, and then, but you know, in saying and being that in that sense, I. I, I also found at that time that there weren't many women working in those roles in um, tech reporting. It was such an exciting, fun area. And I kind of, again, excluded myself from it because I was like, oh, I'm not a geek. I'm not um, – they, these are all guys that, that you know, love getting the latest um, phone or whatever. Yeah, technology and the Palm Pilots and all the things that came out. Yeah. But why were you given that role in the first place? Because I would have thought it would have been very unusual to give a woman a role in tech back in the days when it was all the guys that were all over that, those kind of topics. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think maybe Progr- I just progressive annoyed editor. the publisher and <laughs> I have this job. I, um, you know, I, oh, you wanted it. You went after it. I wanted it. to work there. I really wanted to work right. there. Um, it was, you know, that was – like, you know, in journalism, you don't get a lot of those opportunities. So when they come up and especially, you know, when you can see like little ins, I'm like that's a little in for me. And that's a starting place. And then you can go to, on to other things. Like you, you you take them. I mean, the opportunity to write, to get paid to write, to get paid to do interviews and to publish content, it, it was it was such a thrill for me and Fantastic. and still was until I found myself paying other people to do that, so, which is still <laughs> a thrill and is amazing. Well, yeah. we're not quite there yet in this story. So you've just started out and you've got this job in IT. What happened next? So I worked in across different business publications, business magazines, um, and I really enjoyed that. So I business print magazines, which is really fun because you get to do covers and you get to do layouts and it's really a, a creative process. And I started editing those magazines and running my own news teams. And at that time, you know, making those transitions more into digital and being a little bit more entrepreneurial because I always worked for publications that were 
um, kind of, you know, not particularly well funded. I was never in the glory days of journalism at all. <laughs> it's, so, right. it was, you know, but, but how did, how did they, and when did they decide to make that leap to go into digital? Because that was a, a moment in time, really, wasn't it? When all of a sudden the media outlets started going, hang on, we really should jump into this whole internet thing. Yeah. So there was always, the, everywhere I worked, everything was always online by the time I got there. But it right. was more that right. if you were doing print products, it was the online part became the second component of your product yes. and then all of a sudden we made the switch and it became it was it's quite a hard switch as well because if you were I remember being I was so used to doing weekly deadlines and I'm a very deadline oriented yeah. person I don't do anything the day after a weekly deadline I sit there and look at my screen I don't do anything and so but the day oh, but- before the deadline I will stay up all night and just to hit that deadline right. so and then all of a sudden yep. you're working online and there is no weekly deadline you're doing daily deadlines and you, you have to completely. Oh, God, I never thought, I had never thought of that. You're right. So there's no sort of respite. It's constant, always on. Yeah, there, there, there's no respite. But at the same time, you know, if you're if you're kind of really set and it's quite clear, then there is respite because at the end of each day you should have published your stories. You're yeah, done. You're not true. kind of sitting there going, I haven't started the three features I was supposed to have done yet. So. And I guess you can also move faster. So should something happen that you want to get out to people, you can get it out quickly with digital, which which with print, you know, you're a couple of days away, whatever way you look well, at it. And that was our, that was a huge issue for us when a lot of this was through the, um, the GFC. So obviously in business stories were moving really fast and we were sitting there, we would get out a print edition of um, a magazine ready for, you know, three days later that it would actually hit desks. And it's like, we're talking about these business mergers that are happening here. We're breaking news stories and we have to wait until Friday until people get to read them. Of course, you don't want to settle for that. So, yeah. Right. So um, what happened after? So I presume this is a big publishing. I don't know what the name of it was, but did you stay there the whole way through? Is that, are they the people that started Women's Agenda or was there no, a, no. another role after no, that? No, so I've worked at like many different publishers and where where I launched Women's Agenda was actually in private media. So I was there in private media as part of um, the Crikey team and we were launching uh, um, a specialised product there about um power. And so we got to do that and and I was editing that. And then the opportunity came up. I knew that they were launching something in the women's space. And why were they? Did you, did did you know what their sort of rationale was at the time? Well, at the time, again, it was, remember it was 2012. And I think it was just, there wasn't a huge amount out there. I know that there is a lot now and that's a good thing. Like I think the more, I always think just more women's media, more media in general, particularly more media owned by women, the better. So but at that point, there, there wasn't a huge amount, particularly in business career um, leadership space. Um, so Yeah, it was all in the lifestyle kind of more fluffy kind of space for a long time, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was definitely more in, in the lifestyle space. And there's, there's yeah, that, absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's fine. It just probably wasn't serving no. a there was there was an audience that was keen for this information and you know maybe they're still consuming that media maybe they were never interested in that media but i think that we found a little spot that wasn't being being served at that point okay and so sorry and i interrupted you because you were saying you'd heard that there was this new magazine that might be coming out uh how did you manage to jump onto it I got asked. So, uh, I got asked. <laughs> and and that was great. That was great. And I think I got asked in a way that was sort of like, oh, we're not sure if 
this is you, if you'd want this or not, like, but I got asked and I'm really grateful to get asked. Um, and I was so happy with that and to be able to, you know, creating something new, designing the new sections from site, working with the designer, the developers on, on creating. So how, how do you, how did you decide what sections should go in, how, how it was going to launch, you know, what it was going to look like? How did, how did all that kind of work? So, I mean, it came together through, so I had Marina there. So obviously Marina has, you know, so much experience in, in magazines. So we just looked at, you know, what yeah. kind of sections we would need them. We had a lot more sections than we do today. It, it's ended up very different to how we imagined it. We did a lot more, like we were doing some fashion content and some beauty content and things that today oh, right. would not work with our audience. Fish, fish yeah, it would yeah. not be right. Yeah. But, you know, we were doing all of that, but we're trying to do it from, I guess, a perspective of, of of being in business. So the fashion was more about, you know, what you might be wearing to work or um, we would try and the marina was great. She would go, I, I was a little bit too shy for this, but she would just go and get, you know, quite well-known business people and she'd just start photographing them with her with her iPhone and say, yeah, we're going to put this on the site oh, good and through what you're wearing. You're going to be a, you know, what I wore today. And so just getting, you know, just different women to basically submit that. We So we don't do that type of content today. We definitely turned a lot no. more down to covering uh, a bit more general news and trying to general news from a woman's perspective and a lot more on um, politics as well. Right. And so, so you're doing that for five or six years. And then what, what happened? They were going to, so you'd had your baby, were they going to close it down? And you said, no, no, I'm going to take it over. Or, or what happened around that time? Yeah. So I, I mean, you know, it was probably only publishing what, a few years at that point. And I'd already taken one stint of maternity leave and I had, um, so Georgie Dent had come on and helped, uh, well, taken my maternity cover. And so we'd kind of worked on and off together and she eventually left the publication. But I was lucky enough to be able to um, have her back as soon as we were able to afford that. But um, in terms of the, it just wasn't going to work. The publication wouldn't work in in that bigger media environment because in that environment, you know, a publication has to kind of pay its its shared set of costs. It has to pay shared costs of design and development and office space and everything like that. Whereas I looked at it and I got offered the opportunity to look at a, a like a management buyout and negotiate that. And I looked, I thought I could, I, I'm on maternity leave anyway. I'd set myself up to not be earning anything at this point anyway. So, you know, we'd, we'd set that up in our family and now right, right. I, if I just see how I go, maybe I can turn it into a, a small business or something that can support me and that I can run flexibly. And, um, if I, don't, I love it then, how we start with small ideas and then it grows and grows because it's certainly not just a little publication now. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's it's still it's still you know it's still a small team. We're we're still tiny. It's um we we, we put in a lot and there's a lot of passion and a lot of heart and and that makes it happen. But yeah. and there's a lot of influence as well. I mean, women's agenda I think is very influential these days. Um and and that you've really. I guess, as you say, from your consistency, you have managed to um, really take everyone along with you. So we've grown with you and uh, nobody's going to leave it in, in a rush, I wouldn't have thought. 
Well, that's good to hear. Thank you. <laughs> Some people leave it. So. <laughs> Don't worry, we get the feedback. So, yeah. Oh, uh, well, you know, I guess it takes all types as well. But I mean, when you know that you are on a path and you're doing the right thing and you know that you're helping other people, there's no downside that I can see. And, and you guys are doing a fantastic job. But talk to me about what it's like. So you've had it for a few years now. And obviously you've now, through the pandemic, come up with, been working away in the background, come up with all these new ideas. But Can you tell me about some of the challenges that you might have had along the way? Because I often think for women um, in business, you know, especially if they're younger, I just, I I love to share these stories because if things go wrong, it doesn't mean that it's an absolute disaster. Sometimes it just takes you in a whole other direction. So there must have been some challenges along the way. Can you share some of those with me? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, first of all, one of the first challenges came from just Uh, doing it by myself for that period. So obviously that's impossible to keep up with. So I was so fortunate that I managed to keep in contact with somebody at at the previous publisher uh, to help with sales. And she initially started once a fortnight and then she kind of came on board a little bit more and a little bit more. And now she's my co-founder in the business, Tala Lambert. So, and that's been amazing. And I need it. I'm somebody who needs a co-founder. I just, I need, you know, I I actually think a lot of women do that. I was talking with a woman who started a business recently who was really down in the dumps. And I was saying, if you could find yourself someone to do this journey with, it makes it so much easier, doesn't it? It gives you someone to high five when there are good things, but also you've got a shoulder to cry on and you both understand when something goes wrong. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, and you're in it to like, just to be in it together and to be, you know, throwing everything at that. And you're the perfect combo as well. Sales and editorial is kind of everything that you need to get a magazine or a newspaper out there. Well, exactly. And so Tala is like ridiculously talented. So she gets across all areas of the business. And as of a few weeks ago, she is now the editor in chief on Women's Agenda. So we've been able to kind of switch our roles a little bit. For me, I was looking and I thought, I've been doing this for a long time. I know that I'm not going to grow any further here. I don't think there's much more I can offer this audience. I think like we clearly need a bit of a shift and she's been editing across it for years anyway. So we've, we've been part of that partnership anyway. So we've been able to make that transition. And I think that's, it's a thing about having a co-founder that I never really thought about because I always thought, oh, no, you just stay in your zones. And, of course, there's benefit to that and merit to that. But you just stay in your zones, make sure, you know, you're good at this, you're good at this, and that's fine. I was like, well, actually, this has been the opportunity to um, take a break from something that I found has been really challenging this year and, right. and challenging mentally because a lot of the stories we cover are not particularly easy. And I'm somebody who, like, you know, as, as I've probably indicated in this conversation, I consume a lot of news. and this year, it, oh. it's been so hard. And I, I consume a lot of international news particularly. And I've just, it was kind of for the first time where I was like, I actually started switching off and I've never done that. I've, I've never just said, no, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to watch that. But if you're looking at COVID numbers, if if you're looking COVID at COVID bushfires and what's going on in America, yeah. though, they, those three alone are just, you know, a lot. Yeah, yeah, and then and then locally we we cover a lot on domestic violence as well. So yeah, it's uh, that that's always there, and so it's um just to have a little bit of a, a break and just to go. I just want you know to try new things, and that's what you can do with a co-founder is you can step back from things, you can try new things. I think it gives you a lot more scope to grow in your business, and 
and to take a bit of a break as well. Yeah. And it's kind of like having that backup, isn't it? It's that person who kind of enables you and says, well, if that's, you know, I think that's a good idea too. Let's give it a go. Rather than you sitting there going, I'm thinking I should change, but I don't know whether I should. And you've got no one to bounce it off that really understands the business. So, Mm. so the rejig is that she's now editor in chief, which is fantastic. What's your new role? So I'm still feeling my way into it, but at the moment I'm head of strategy yeah, and um, kind of like a, also a creative director role. So there's no kind of perfect, beautiful title for it. I've given up trying to find it. Um, <laughs> I do, I, I do try to, you know, run, keep the business running. So that that's a big part of what I do, but yeah. it was a bit of, it was a chance to go, okay, how can we start to be a little bit more strategic with what we do so we can launch more things. I love launching new things. That's my favorite thing to do. I am my, my, mind is all over the place and I'm very bright, shiny object over there. Oh my God, you're an entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) And then I get there and I was like, okay, next thing, next thing, next thing. So (laughs) that's, um, and it's just to try and have a little bit more scope to do that. And, um, and, and that's, and we're, we're, we're fresh in this and it's, it's good. We've, we've just, what we've, there's a lot of opportunities in our business and because we get stuck in I mean, it is what we do. We get, we go into that content and into that space. And before we know it, five hours have disappeared. And then we publish that newsletter. And then, you know, we're exhausted after that because we worked so intensely. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, now that we've got, a, you know, we've got a little bit more capacity in our team. Now I can kind of step back from that so that I can focus on the new things and the things that are going to take us forward and help us to grow and help us to, um, be sustainable into the future. And so I noticed that um, when you were doing the announcement, it is not editorial. It's not going to be just editorial anymore with Women's Agenda. You've got, it sounds to me anyway, like you've got all sorts of plans for events and things. Can you tell me a little bit about how that's kind of going? Yeah, so we don't really have plans for events. Oh, we do one event, sorry. the Leadership Awards. Yeah, <laughs> right. no, it's funny because it's a space that I'm, I don't want to be in. Um, right, and I'm not so particularly familiar with it. Yeah, there are millions of events. I mean, in terms of media for women, and you, you are right in a space where you're pretty much the only one that's really doing this. Go out into events and you're one of gazillions. Well, well, exactly. Well, yeah, we're, we're here to, we'll, we'll, we, we love to promote all the events <laughs> that's, um, and, and we're, yes. we're lucky there that we do get good advertising there. And it was one of the reasons why COVID actually hit us quite hard because we were exposed to the event industry and a lot more so than right. I actually realized. And it's one of those, it's, it's a, you know, it's a revenue stream you don't necessarily think is going to disappear. Like obviously we couldn't have imagined that events just wouldn't be, yeah, completely dried up. So, um, you know, we do a lot, we do quite a few online events and, um, we do the, we're doing podcasts and we work with clients. That's kind of how we bring, um, at the end of the day, we have to fund the journalism and that's always my goal. It's how I can go out, bring money into our business so we can fund good journalism. And it goes bigger than that. It's not just about doing what we do and publishing the four or five pieces that we're already doing, but it's also, you know, getting that newsletter out trying to grow our team, trying to, you know, be in a position where we can hire journalists. Like that is just 
like gold yeah yeah and especially for you knowing how exciting and how great it was to be paid for the work that you did it's great that you want to kind of do that now and and especially because you know if your team is all women you're supporting all those poor journalists out there that I mean through my handle your own PR business I'm watching the media outlets fall over one after another with amazing journalists that are being put out of work so what you're doing is fantastic there's so much talent out there and I'm so happy to have good talent in our team. I, I have to pinch myself because I, I mean, I know you look at, look at me and you think, okay, that she's been in journalism a long time and writing a long time, but like, I, I don't write anywhere near as well as the people that we somehow managed to get in our team. And I feel so lucky and grateful to have them there because they just make it happen and they make our publications sing. And we also have great contributors and great, um, you know, other people who come in and do various parts of our business as well. But Angela, they probably love the opportunity to finally be able to work with someone who appreciates what they do and who is who is in an interview saying to me, I pinch myself, I've got these people. There's not a lot of employers that would be like that. Well, we need, okay, well, thank you. <laughs> we <laughs> but, need more of them. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think like that's, that's the goal. You've kind of got to go into a room and surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. And so I, I've totally. managed to do that. Um, so, and... I, and you know, I, I just, it's, it's sad that we can't all be together at the moment. We all work virtually and I hope we can change that a little bit, not to the point where we're all sitting in an office, you know, Monday to Friday or anything, but to the point where we can do a lot more things just together, whatever that looks like. Maybe it's once a week or something. Um, well, it's so. just inspiring to be able to bounce the ideas off someone or for a story to come in and say, you know, I'm thinking of doing it this way and have other people, you know, have a little bit of input if you need it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And and, and the company, (laughs) someone to go out and have a drink with at the end of the day. Yeah. A lot of (laughs) what we're doing with our business is also trying to do a lot more uh, news telling through social media. And um, that's where you want to be able to have those conversations, be able to bounce those ideas off each other in the new to say, I think, you know, this tile will work for Instagram or we can tell this story through um, these various stories on Instagram or whatever it is that there's, there's so many channels to, to get that content out. And so to be able to sit together and, and talk those through and, and workshop those ideas is, yeah. I mean, we all miss those opportunities. I do, you know, we're on Slack. I can hear, you know, my Slack's probably gone off a few times during this conversation um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because we're getting up to deadline. <laughs> it's um, that's, yeah, so there's certain things that you can do there. We still do an 8.30 news meeting every morning, so we're trying to keep up with certain routines right. as we have through this period. Um, but, yeah, not quite like being together. No, and, and I guess, you know, that's what we know. across. It's affected so many people across the world, um, you know, that it, it hopefully, you know, 2020 is just going to be a year we're going to look back on and go, oh, my God. I keep saying to my children they should be keeping a journal, and they said, but what am I going to put in there? Nothing. And I went, that'll be really interesting to someone in 20 years when they're studying 2020 to say, and look at all these journals from people, and they all did nothing because, you know, they were, they were kept at home. But listen, Angela, I absolutely 
absolutely love what you're doing. Women's Agenda, thank goodness that there is a Women's Agenda. I think it's a really, really important media outlet for women in business. And I want, I think anybody who is out there and telling stories and letting people know about what women are up to is, you know, brilliant. So thank you so much for um, sharing your story with me. Now, if anyone wanted to subscribe to Women's Agenda or get hold of it, if they haven't heard of it, God forbid, what's the best way for them to do that? Just go to our website, so womensagenda.com.au, and I'm sure a pop-up will land subscribe. In somewhere. So, <laughs> so get that pop-up, but otherwise um, there's a subscribe button where you can subscribe as well. Well, thank you so much for the interview today. Uh, for those of you that are watching, I hope you found that really interesting. I do love Women's Agenda. Um, please, as I said earlier, would you like, subscribe to the channel, all of those kind of things as we try to build our numbers up. Um, if you are interested, I also have a podcast, She's the Boss Chats, and uh, we also run regular weekly lunches uh, for female founders. So just go to she'stheboss.com.au. And thank you very much. And I hope you enjoy this episode and we'll go and watch some more. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Another big thank you to our sponsor, Brand for Brands Agency. To find out more about Brand for Brands, go to brandforbrands.com. To watch this or any other episodes in this series on video, go to the She's the Boss YouTube channel. And to find out all about She's the Boss, how we are making female founders more visible and lifting up the women around us, go to she'stheboss.group.com.